the Brew News Podcast. All the news is fit to be brewed. I'm Andrew Jennings, and today we'll start our two-part episode talking to William Brown of South End Brewery. Uh, now, this interview is just going to be me and William for the next two weeks, but that's all right. We had a good time. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about... Uh, uh, some of the beers are brewing at over at South End. As the brewer, what he has been doing, his history in brewing a little bit. Uh, some it's going to get a little technical at parts. We're going to talk about some of uh, the more. Uh, f- refined aspects of brewing as well um, and really go into the detail of South End. We were recording in a live brewery so I do apologize for the audio quality. With that said, we're going to jump right into the beginning of our tasting. William, let's talk about some of your beer. Okay, uh, let's go. So let's, do, let's start from the start. Alright, so the uh, the first one is called the Flying Hyena. Mm-hmm. It's our American style pale ale. A um, little high on the ABV, a 6.5 ABV. Um, it kind of pushes what a pale ale is supposed to be. Um, it's got about uh, two and a half pounds per barrel hop, dry hop in it, so it's a uh, it's a pretty pretty hoppy pale ale for mm-hmm. sure. Um, American hops, you know, Amarillo, Cascade, Chinook, and you know, kind of the classics. Mm-hmm. So and just a standard American style pale ale. It's definitely one of my favorites. I've had this one before. This is one of my favorites that you awesome. guys have. Um, so. Yeah, it's small with the nose. Is that the, the Amarillo? Is that what you dry yep, hopped it yep, with? Yep, yep, The orange kind of, yep, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. I, I just dry hopped a pale ale with Amarillo myself. So oh, I'm wonderful. like, oh, this smells... This I'm familiar <laughs> with this. This <laughs> smells familiar. Not as malty as I was sort of expecting most pale ales are. Um, not a complaint. No, 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 not at all. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty somewhat simple malt bill. Um, honestly, it's it's, uh, it's two-row, um, some Maris Otter in there. Um, and then uh, one bag of white wheat. So it's a it's a pretty simple malt bill, but uh, not I don't do a lot of caramel malts in parallels like you know the old the old ways. Um, so there's a little bit of C45 in it, but not that's mm-hmm. the only you know caramel malt that's in there. So, so how did you come up with this recipe, this blend? Um, so as far as recipe development goes, there 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 are no secrets. Um, you know, everything uh, that can be brewed has been brewed. In, in essence, exactly. There, are, there are no secrets. So, um, most things are. I mean, if you're willing to spend some money on some books, I mean, honestly, that and that's where most of where I get my stuff from. Is I'm, I'm a I'm a book nerd. Like I, I if I'm going to make a style of beer, I want to read about that style of beer. I want to find the historical references of that style of beer. I want to know where that beer came from. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I came out of the homebrew world. Um, you know, so I kind of grew up brewing, like. Here's a score sheet. Here, here's a here's a style listing. Here's what you know. I'm achi- I'm trying to achieve this. Um, so as such, you don't see a bunch of crazy stuff with me because I tend to be more historical type brewing. So we're sort of expecting your the South End to have more things like you'd see at 1111 than inherently what you see at Prior. With 100, like 100, absolutely. They do a lot of wild stuff at Prior. And and and, and every, everything has its place. It's, it's, and yeah. it, it's just not it's just not for me. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna say we're not gonna do anything crazy. We do have a one barrel pilot system to do kind of one off stuff and can do some crazy stuff. Um, but I, I do want to maintain some relevance to a. But I don't want anybody to pick up a beer and go, "This tastes good," but I have no idea what it is. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be a mess. I want to be able to somebody to be like, "Oh, this is X, Y, or Z." You know. Right. So, so is the flying hyena sort of like what you guys are envisioning as your flagship beer? It, it is. So um, we've got. And this flight you have here, two of these are, are going to end up being, or more than likely going to end up being flagships. The other two are more the one-off stuff. Mm-hmm. We've got um, 14 taps. One is dedicated to a guest cider, so we have 13 taps available for our own beer. 
We're looking to probably have four to five cores, um, but nothing set in stone yet. I mean, we just opened in November, so right. we're still tracking data to see what, we're letting the market tell us what cores are gonna be. Fair enough. Um, and trending right now um, is the Hyena is definitely up there, um, our American Parallel. Um, the uh, Intrepid Goat, which is our American IPA. Um, the Blonde, which is the Wendover River. Um, what else is trending real good? Uh, the Amber, which is just a, a it's um, Dino DNA, American style Amber. Mm -hmm. um, I can see that one. I'm, our pills went really, really well. So um, we're, I'm gonna try and keep that on all the time. Um, good luck. Well, and exactly, because okay. um, in fact, we can pull a sample of that today, um, a little later in the, in the, yeah. in the talk, but um, you know, I'm, I'm traditionalist in that sense too. Like, you know, our, our, our pills longers for a month. It doesn't, you know, you, you don't do a long run three weeks, you know, you do it. Yeah. You know, so, um, so our pill was just at a month, two days ago. So we're, right. we're, um, we're going to be releasing that on Super Bowl Sunday, re-releasing. It's, it's slightly different. Last time we did a Bohemian pills, this is a German pills. Um, so I wouldn't know the difference. So. It, one's a little poppier than the other and, and one you can have diacetyl in if you want to, but, um, there's not, there's not a, there's not a massive difference at all. I mean, you yeah, know, 200 miles. I mean, um yeah one's bohemia one's bavaria yeah yeah exactly so there's, there's 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 not but um but we're re gonna release that so i'm the pilsner may end up becoming a a, a flagship i would love for that to happen it's just whether or not i can keep up from a real estate standpoint you effectively have to keep one of these tanks just exactly for the exactly one i would have to dedicate basically one fermenter and one bright tank to to pilsner production um right now i have the luxury of of i have enough capacity to where i can you know I mean, i've got three loggers on our on our board right now i have the luxury of 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 time and can do that down the road that might not be the case yeah so hopefully by that point though you've been able to at least get another double-sized ferments or something yeah, you can exactly. just brew brew it just mm -hmm, double batches mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. um so let's before I get into the next beer, let's just let's talk about South End and okay. what it is. You guys, you've already alluded, you guys opened in November. Correct. You're in the old Gibbs location, so if you're familiar with Greensboro, you're downtown Lewis Street, across the street from the Barcade, next yep. to the distillery. Yep, absolutely. Uh, uh, and you guys, for Greensboro natives, you know Gibbs doesn't serve food. Yep. South End does. Yep. Um, South Correct. End's got a very good kitchen I rather enjoy. Yep. Um, but the interior otherwise is very similar. Uh, but you guys added an exterior patio, which is amazing. Yeah, you know, full disclosure, you know, I was I, I was here in the same building with Gibbs when Gibbs was here. Oh, was that your first commercial? That was my first commercial job. Okay. Um, so welcome home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I stay with the building. Um, <laughs> you just come with. The I, building. I just come with the building. Uh, so, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So we so when they when the so Eric and Seth working as the two owners, this father son duo that own South End. Um, mm -hmm. Eric, um, is a is a home brewer. Um, they own another company in High Point that uh, that is in manufacturing, and they decided they wanted to open a brewery, and um, they got my name somehow, and um, we started a conversation. We walked in here, and um, we changed. So, apart from how Gibbs, if, if your audience is familiar with the Gibbs layout, you know the bar itself is the same um, size, same layout because the floor dictated that. Um, but where there was a storage room for Gibbs. All those walls have been ripped out where the office was for Gibbs. That's been ripped out. A full commercial kitchen mm -hmm. has been put in there. Um, I built a restroom. Uh, There's a family restroom in here now. 
Um, we added two urinals in the men's bathroom, um, expanded out the women's bathroom, um, then uh, added more seating on the front patio. The rear patio that is now south end patio used to be a loading dock for Gibbs. Um, that's been completely filled in with a pergola has been built out there, rope lights. Um, it, it, it's completely different than it was uh, as far as layout in, in the back for sure. Now, you said you, you did, were you doing any of the construction, the plumbing or anything? Oh yeah, we did, we did. I mean, everything everything in, in the brewery wise, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we ran, you know, I ran all the glycol piping. We, I installed the, all the tanks, installed all the, the brew house. The only thing I didn't do in here is I didn't do the steam lines. Um, but other than the steam lines, everything inside this room, I did. Okay. Um, me and a contractor um, who actually I, I went to high school with, ironically. Um, <laughs> You know, we're the ones who framed in the kitchen. Um, you know, we, we, there's a lot, we built a lot of this stuff in here. So prior to brewing, what were you doing? Um, I was in distribution logistics. Um, well, that's obviously the transition of, to of carpentry. Of course, of course. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm Plumbing, a, installing a brewery. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, it's a na- natural transition. Natural no, transition. I, um, so my, my background is I went to school for economics. Mm-hmm. Um, got, got done with undergrad. Um, got, you know, got my first kind of big boy job. Um, kind of fell into distribution logistics just because that's what was hiring and paying at the time. Um, did that for a number of years, kind of climbed that corporate ladder. I didn't used to look like this. I you know, didn't have a big beard. I wore a button-up shirt every day. And um, I got the crazy idea what? that... Well, no, no. <laughs> I got the crazy idea that I wanted to open my own brewery. And this is, I mean, this is seven years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, before I put my life savings into something, maybe I should get some relevant experience. Mm-hmm. And about the same time, Gibbs was starting to, it hadn't opened yet, it was, but it was starting. The idea was getting mm-hmm. getting going. And um, so I approached them like, hey, um, I want to come work for you. Um, I'm Pay me what you can pay me. So I took a, I made about a third of what I was making um, and to get in this industry. And um, with the idea of, of eventually, you know, doing that for a year and then breaking off and doing my own thing at my own brewery. Afterwards, because of my background, um, I started doing a lot more of the financial side of things and started, um, it was kind of a reality check for me. And I, and I, I elected that you know, maybe a brewery is not what I want to start for myself. Right. Um, but I enjoy this industry and I want to keep doing it. And um, so me and my wife kind of have an agreement that when it comes time for William to get a big boy job again, he, he will. But right now, I, I enjoy this a lot. Oh, that's so, but as far as like electrical and, and plumbing and all that, I, I own some rental property. And when you get involved with rental property, if you want to make any money, you basically have to become a jack of all trades. Yeah. So. You have to know more than the bare minimum yeah it, at the same time you're not going to be building a home from no, scratch no 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 yeah. no but but you know i mean i can i can i can frame with the best of them i mean i can yeah. i can hang drywall i hate doing it but i can do it you know it's just um you, you learn a lot of a lot of a lot of useful skills yeah so all right so are you from the area originally born and raised born in greensboro greensboro excellent me too yeah so what high school? Uh, Page. Okay. All right. I, I was Ragsdale. I was Ragsdale. Uh, yeah, oh, okay. I was, yeah. I was a Jamestown kid. Jamestown, yeah. I lived in Greensboro, but the lines were drawn. Oh, so. yeah. I'll, I'll funky like. Yeah. 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 I went, yeah. Page. Uh, went around. Did you go to UNCG? Or? I did. Yeah. Okay. UNCG. I went there for my ba- my uh, master's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't get my. Uh, I got out of town for my bachelor's. Smart man. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't do everything in Greensboro. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So let's go to this next one. 
right. is... So this is Wendover River. Mm-hmm. Um, Wendover is spelled like the street? Yep, exactly. Um, it, it is just your standard American blonde. Um, it's as... Exactly. It's as <laughs> simple as, you know... It, it, it tries to be a little bit crisp with a little sweetness to it. Um, it's not bitter. It's not... Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's your everyday beer is what your mouth's to. I always forget how much I enjoy these. Um, these remind me a lot... Um, when I was in Belgium... Um, we had the uh, De Hoffman Brewery does mm-hmm. the, the Zot. They're single. This reminds me a lot of that, and I forget how much I enjoy that on a hot summer day. Absolutely. Like, I Absolutely. don't necessarily want. I love your Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite beer out of this mm-hmm. before that you pulled mm-hmm. for me. But I don't want that when it's super hot. Absolutely. This is Absolutely. Like a perfect. Like, if you don't want a Pilsner, this is your beer. And that's to that point. You know that beer, I can do at least three if not four of that of that style on that tank turn that tank three or four times at the same time it takes me to do one batch of pilsner so that is that is definitely going to be a flagship just because i can turn that beer <laughs> quickly um it's light it, it doesn't look a, a, like the short spear that we'll get to or yeah. sorry black lager whatever yeah, you call yeah, yeah. it <laughs> um it's got a different like it looks scary to non-beer drinkers yeah this this looks like Budweiser and 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 yeah we, we don't filter here so um, mm-hmm. yeah obviously we can't afford a centrifuge or anything like that so we have no no filter yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah just spin around the hose it'll work fine <laughs> um, so our, our beers are, are are clarified via you know um, I mean basically time and temperature um, and we do use some fining agents um, but at a very very minimal um, so what do you, uh, define what do you mean by fining agents. So I use a product called Browsol P. It's a um, it, it's it's a basically an additive available from my chemical supplier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a German product, so it meets the uh, you know the whole Ryan Heiss blue. I mean it it, it it sounds stupid. I pay more because it's got that, but but <laughs> it makes it's but but it makes me feel like it makes me feel good. Okay, so but um but yeah, it, it's a it's a great finding agent. Um, it, it just basically attaches itself to you know to hot matter, heavier proteins, and and it, it really it. We don't find all of our beers. We find we find the um the we don't find any beers dry hopped. We only find beers that I want to be you know mm-hmm. clear up. Um, we don't find our loggers usually, um, just by nature of they have so much time. They have so much time. I, I'm I'm it. I've I've had good luck time and temperature. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. So, um, but some of our quicker beers like the. Like the blonde, for instance, you know, I want that to be, if not completely clear, I want it to be attractive. Um, yeah. I'm a firm believer that people drink with their eyes first and their mouth second. So, um, you know, if you have ugly beer, people aren't going to want to drink your beer. So. I'll say I brewed a, uh, my first lager was a, a Hellas and it was mm-hmm. purple. Wow. I don't know how. I was like, how'd that happen? It was like the most adorable lavender. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't like this bright, you know, it wasn't like it was bright said like crazy mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. electric highly electric purple it was just this it was yellow with this purple tint throughout it was delicious but i have no idea how and i don't i don't even want to know how i did it <laughs> I, I don't think i can recreate I'm it i'm gonna say yeah exactly that's <laughs> i haven't tried to brew it again i'm like i'll come back to you in the summer but like for right now i'm just gonna leave you alone absolutely <laughs> but okay so, um, and, and just for clarification, when you say finding agent, you're talking like for home brewers, you're talking like, yeah, I would use like World Flock or um, uh, Irish Moss. Correct. Like yeah. Those Something like that. So those would be yeah. kettle findings. Um, there are cold side findings available. Um, like silica gel products, you know, um, mm-hmm. something you can use. I'm sure that's available on the, on the, on the home brew side of the house. I mean, I'm sure Dan 
has anything I have, Dan has. I yeah. mean, um, so but yeah, it, it, it use them sparingly because I you know it's not in my mind it's not mm-hmm. right. But but with that being said, or not right, but well, you know, no, not, no, no. expand on that. I'm well, just curious. I, I'm, I'm just I'm, I said I I, I kind of stick by that this is the right way to make beer, and mm-hmm. and the less you the less you put in it. Honestly, the better off you are most of the time. Um, so you sing sparingly. I mean, don't don't you know? There's people who will dump, you know, biofine or finding agents in, and and you're absolutely right. It'll make a clear beer in a day and a half, um, but you're going to taste that finding agent. Okay. And I don't want to ever taste a finding agent. While you want it to look good, you really want you're really here for the palate. You exactly. Want, you, you want, want the, the aroma and the palate exactly. to be right. You know, I, I want the beer to look good, like you said, just so you can, you know, so somebody walks in and looks at something. Because, you know, when you walk into a pub or whatever, a bar, you, you know, you look down the run and see what people, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want I don't want to have, like, a murky mess, and it's like, you know, nobody wants to drink that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, I'm not going to say that. I mean, you know, New England IPAs are on a mess aside. Right. You know, but, yeah, but, but you know, you, you want, if, if you're making a Blondale, you want that Blondale to be attractive. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I know my... My first attempt at a New England IPA wound up being like the cloudiest apple juice color you could ever imagine. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't attractive yeah. at all. And, and everything has a place. I mean, every 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 you know every beer style has its place. Yeah. So, so, um, so you were home brewer for seven eight years before you. Started uh, not when, not quite seven, but but pretty close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just uh, you know. Tell I, us about your journey of home brewing to uh, you know being a head brewer at a. It, it, it's pubs. it's pretty um it's pretty short honestly so I uh, <laughs> all right I, well no I mean I, I, this is like a results aren't typical sort of situation well no no, no I mean I I, I you know I, I was twenty years old and I, I liked beer and you know I couldn't I couldn't buy beer and um <laughs> so it was like it's like oh man we can we can make this and um my my wife now my girlfriend at the time could buy beer so mm-hmm. she's a little older than I am so you know um she was kind of would. You know, and she's like, "Oh, you should try making it." So I, I started my hand. First one I made was terrible; was absolutely horrible. I mean, that's a classic story, but it was 100 percent true. I, I mean, have not made anything undrinkable. Oh, I, I made. Oh, no, well, it wasn't. <laughs> I've got undrinkable. one beer now that's not technically. I would say it's terrible, but some people like it, so I'm 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 just sending it to competition. I'm about to say it would default to the plus side. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, it's a half full glass. I mean, <laughs> oh, it's it's more than a half full. It's, I'll bring some by if you just want to just sure. pound it. It's bad. It's not. It's, it's like the worst farmhouse funk you could ever create. Oh, that's a that's an attractive thing to a lot of people, though. I mean, yeah, not to me though. <laughs> the first one I made was a uh, I did a English style porter, mm-hmm. and um, I tried to do a um, you know extract with specialty grains, mm-hmm. and you know I I didn't know any better, so you know I'm, I've got the grains soaking in the bag and. You know, I pull the grain bag out, and I, I, I'm like, oh, man, this, I have to get all this juice out, right? Like, this is, so I'm over here, like, squeezing the bag, getting all the juices out. I know no better. Um, and, you know, I, I bottle condition it because, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have any equipment or anything like that. Two weeks ago, I opened one. It is the most bitter, tanniny mm. beer I've ever had in my life. But I'll be damned. I was like, I made this. I'm, I'm going to drink this. going to drink it. It's not, you know. So, um. But then that, that expanded a little bit further than that. I did a few more batches. Um, I got up with the Balgarn Brewers Guild, you know, which obviously you know you know of real well. Um, got up with those guys many years ago, and um, you know the club was very active back then. Um, a lot of good people learned from a lot of really good guys from that. 
Um, and then just, like I said, decided I wanted to open my own place and, um, and then started working for, for Gibbs. Um, I worked under a gentleman by the name of John Priest, who, uh, he did the whole Siebel program. And then, um, then he ultimately went to Bell's for a couple of years and then came back down here. He had some family issues, had to come back down here. And, um, he was a head brewer at Gibbs. So I got hired under him. So I did a lot of kind of, you know, on the job training type scenarios. Um, and then, uh, and then ultimately he, he moved on and, and, and went to other places. And, um, and I, I hung out at Gibbs and became the head brewer there and then went to Burlington and now I'm, now I'm here. And for those, for those who haven't listened to all of our episodes, Siebel Institute is in Chicago. Correct. And it's the, one of the two main brewing institutes throughout the country. You have the one in UC Berkeley? U- UC Davis. 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 Uh, yeah, it's yeah, one yeah. Of the, it's all the same. One of the UCs. Yeah. Uh, UC Davis and then you have mm-hmm. the Siebel Institute. Um, go back. If you want to learn more about Siebel, go back and listen to our episode with Brown Truck. Ian talks about that a good bit. Uh, yep, absolutely. Ian, Ian's a graduate of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd Isabel, which I don't know if you ever had him on, but Not he yet, is... No. Um, He's the brewer at Liberty in in, um, in High Point, and he used to do the uh, Rocco uh, Rockingham County. School. He did, he did, uh, he did RCC, but he's a graduate of the Davis program. Oh, he's Davis program. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that it's kind of the two paths. If you're in the U.S., yeah. that you go, and and there's a handful of others, you know. But for the most part, those are the two big ones. The two big programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you got in the BBG. I know uh, Mark, the owner of Gibbs, came yeah. out was also in there. Uh, yep. There's a lot of not a lot, but there's a decent amount of brewers in the area that came out of that homebrew. Yeah, club. I mean, I, I, I did. Aaron Wall did. You know, Aaron Wall and Tradar now, and you know, previous to that, he was. You know, he worked at Wicked Weed and Foothills. Um, who else has been out of that? I mean, um, there's been three or four over the years that have 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 either opened their own place or worked for you know professional breweries. Is that like? Would you say that's common for homebrew clubs to like sort of spit out brewers that go to other places? Like that, essentially, you're upping your game. Like obviously, this is even your pilot system is far and far and away beyond what I'm doing at home. Twenty years ago, I would say it was pretty common, mm-hmm. um, just by nature of you know, if you want to get in the brewing, where do you start? Well, I start with five gallons at my house. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was a little more common then. Now you're seeing much more of the educational side going into it. In other words, you're seeing a lot of professional brewers that have never homebrewed in their entire life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you can see it, honestly, it, it, it's a pretty drastic difference in their approach to things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I only speak for myself, but like I said, I came out of the homebrew world, so I came out of, a, of you know, I, I had styles. I had, I had a listing of, of, I'm supposed to hit this mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the education side. The education side, a lot of them, they don't necessarily follow the style guidelines or anything like that as, as closely. So it's kind of two different schools of thought on it. Um, but honestly, now you see more and more people coming out of the educational side of the house. Interesting. Um, you know, before, if you had a strong back and, you know, were willing to you know, scrub floors for a year, they'll hire you. You know what I mean? Um, now it's, it's definitely a lot more um, competitive as far as the educational side and, and coming out of a brewing program or at minimum, you know, having a background in, in some sort of, you know, biology or, or chemistry or something related to brewing sciences. So why did Eric and Seth choose this location for Southend? Um, so, you know, I said they, they have another company in High Point. Um, Seth is a member at The Forge. The Forge is a, a collective maker space directly next door to us. Um, so he came to this building when Gibbs was here. He saw when Gibbs moved. Um, he knew this building was a was a, a great building because it is. It's a fantastic location. Um, 
you know, this Lewis Street has kind of became the bar district of Greensboro. I mean, the Greensboro doesn't really have like a Raleigh bar district, but it's kind of, this is kind of becoming, you, know, you got us, you got Boxcar, you got the Stillery next door, you got Oregon's, the Beard Goat. You've got a lot of places here. You can come to one place, Uber down here, and spend all night Saturday having a good time. There's three breweries within two and a half blocks. Absolutely, like absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I assume we're counting that as a brewery. Yeah, so so you have you have a lot of places to go, and this has just became yeah. a nice nice hub, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and having been in the brewing industry for a while, and and been all over the state with different people, um, Greensboro is a very unique market. Location is more important in Greensboro than than anywhere else I've seen. Hmm. Um, it, it, you you have to have a good location, and this location is is in my opinion one of the better ones in Greensboro. Um, you know, it's an old building, so that has its limitations. Um, you know, obviously we, we have no space to go out this way. So, um, you know, <laughs> it, it, we are limited to what we can, you know, do, but we try to make the most out of the space that we have. So if you need that 15 barrel tank, um, Oh no, I can get it. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, when Gibbs was here, we had a 15 barrel system in here. That's right. That's right. So when Gibbs was here, I had, I had a 15 barrel system in here, um, you know, Two fifteen barrel, or excuse me, three fifteen barrel fermenters, a fifteen bright, two thirties, and a thirty bright. Yeah. Um, so right here um, on the front side of the brewery, um, where this LDL beam is, mm-hmm. if, if push comes to shove, you can fit two forty five barrel fermenters right here. And now it is tight, and it is a so and so to get them in here, but it can be done. <laughs> um, so I mean, there's room in this building for. So those are those would be much more uh, round, less correct. vertical. Yeah, I mean yeah. They, they would also. So the tank you're looking at here is a 15, mm-hmm. and they get proportionately larger, um, but not not massively. So um, if we were to put a, a 45 on this side, which I, we would never do. I mean that that where we have a seven barrel system. Pilsner. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it would it would. You would have about two feet or so from the ceiling. Um, oh, okay. So it can it can absolutely be done, um, but <laughs> is it the smartest use no, of your time? No, no, no. But, but could it be done? But we have for for what because they're playing here as far as South End, like getting mm-hmm. back on them. Um, you know, they don't have a plan to be massively distributed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no plans to be in Lowe's Foods. Um, maybe in the beard end on the draft system, but never, never on cans on the shelf or anything. Oh, so so no no um... <clears throat> no package as um, as far as cans go. Well, no, we do we do crowlers to go and right. stuff like that. But as far as I don't um, count that as packaging. Maybe. Yeah, but no no um, at least not right now. Now that may you know, six months from now, if you're listening to this six months from now, it, you know, we might we might it might completely change. <laughs> but, but to go back and re-edit it, it's like okay, yeah, hey, yeah. we messed up. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, no plan for packaging and distribution. We haven't just like distributed at all. Um, the plant we just now got our license set up to where we can do some light distribution outside of here. So you can sell your kegs. We sell sell our kegs exactly to bars and restaurants. Um, we don't know how that's going to look as far as anything because you know we have no sales reps, we have nothing like that. I mean, we're just dipping our toe in it, and um, you know we have the capacity. I mean, to to push a little bit of our volume outside the staff room. But the main focus is this tapering. I mean, th- this is our bread and butter. This is what matters. And sales outside of here would be to just move a, move a little bit more beer. It wouldn't necessarily be a, a, a long-term strategy. Okay. Well, I'm going to drink this yeah, next beer. Absolutely. And then we'll talk about sort of that strategy because you yeah. guys have a kitchen and you're the first true brew pub in Greensboro. Probably. Absolutely. So let's. What, what am I drinking next? So that's our Vienna Lager. Um, 
100 percent german um waterman malt um von seven von yeast um you know it, it is like they're half a yeast no it's, it's okay a, i was gonna say no it's, it's, it's a um vine seven fine it's a um uh the 30 34 70 don't quote me on that exact number but it's it's yeah it's their longer yeast um okay. i've used their uh their uh have a bison yeast mm-hmm. before. No. um but just an easy drink honestly it, it, it's a it's a it's a mexican lager for lack of a better word i mean it, it's yeah it's meant to be um easy drinking um it's 5.5 percent abv um just a, a, a good beer that's that's nice i like i was not expecting to like that as much as i am <laughs> So I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of doing loggers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I try to keep a few of them on, but um, so we, we, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> I mean, you'll get the 45 tank and- There you go, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You got space, you're yeah, fine. Sure. Okay, so sort of what we were talking about before, Natty Greens has a brew pub in downtown Greensboro. Mm-hmm. They have a kitchen, but they don't actually brew there. I think they technically had a pilot system there, but they, they, their brewing facility is yeah, production. It's yep. production elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they used to brew there, and, and then they, they had some. They did some updating and modeling and changed okay. that out. But the other breweries in downtown Greensboro have no food options now. A couple of them, like Little Brother, uh, uh, they have agreements. agreements. Yep, right. yep. But you're the first one besides Nice to have an actual kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak on why you guys either why they made that choice or? I know there were some changes in North Carolina laws that may have allowed for that recently. So, I mean, so the reason they put a kitchen in, the reason we put a kitchen in is, um, plain and simple, when you drink, you usually want food. And, you know, the idea of this kitchen isn't to have, like, full spread, you know, steak dinner type scenarios. The idea is this is a shareable and small plate kitchen. So, you know, you and your buddy come in here and you're, you know, having conversations and, you know, you're like, oh, man, I'm a little hungry. Oh, let's let's grab a, a you know, me and cheese you know, plate or let's grab some wings or let's grab, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, the wings are delicious, by yeah. the way. So As it, are the, the nachos. Yeah, so, so <laughs> it, the idea is, you know, it's, it's it's not pub food, but it's definitely like, it, it, the idea is to, to keep people here happy drinking beer. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not necessarily like a restaurant in, in regards to, like I said, you're not going to come here and get a T-bone steak or right. anything like that. But it, it's a it's a... Somewhere you can get some food and drink some beer and have a good time and conversate with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why the kitchen was put in. Um, the kitchen has evolved into being a more a more involved kitchen than the original thought. The original thought was it was going to be like just quick, you know, small but small plates. Yeah. And via our demand has changed a little bit more. We're doing more. I don't say entrees, but more like yeah. sandwiches type stuff. Yeah, like more, 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 you know, paninis and more, more, you know, I guess entree type stuff. Um, <laughs> and then we, we've just um, recently opened up for lunch. So now we're open for lunch Monday through Friday. Um, so we're, 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 we're definitely becoming more restaurant focused um, than what the original business plan had. Um, but it's worked well. We have an awesome kitchen manager, um, Liz Slate. She is fantastic. Um, she does really, really good stuff. Um, you know, I had the benefit of, of being able to sample most of the stuff, you know, prior to, you, know, you don't get this awesome figure, you know, just <laughs> hanging out here. So, um, but she, she's awesome and has a ton of good ideas to do things. And the menu constantly, just like the beer list rotates, mm-hmm. the menu is constantly rotate. Um, most of the, maybe, maybe not most, but a, a high percentage of the menu has 
our beer in some some shape or fashion in the ingredient mm-hmm. list. Um, and she does pairings and everything with it too, so it, it's it's a good idea. I mean, it's nice having a kitchen there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, I like it because that's I mean that's where I eat lunch half the time. So you know that fair, fair. that comes and works in my favor. Yeah, I love going downtown. I love coming to them, mm-hmm. but a lot of times, like big complaint is well now I, now I have to leave yeah. to go get food. Mm-hmm. It's great to come here. It does suck because North Carolina I can't bring my dog inside. No, exactly, but exactly. That, that's not a you pro, that's not a you guys. That is a. That's a legal. That's a Greensboro, North Carolina issue. That has nothing to do with yeah. Uh, and, South and, and and South End, I mean, they definitely welcome dogs on the front or back patio. We have dog bowls out there. We want people to bring their dogs here, but you know, North Carolina law, since we have a restaurant, you know, they have to stop at those doors. Yeah. But on the patios, bring them in. We want them here. Um, I just we just can't bring them inside, unfortunately. That's that's fair. So we sort of talked about uh, the system you used to brew on when you were here before. Which yep. Gibbs was a 15 barrel system. Correct. What are you, what are you brewing on here? So this is an AB, ABS um, seven barrel system. Okay. Um, so seven barrels is you know two, just over 200 gallons, so like 217 gallons. Mm-hmm. I have an oversized mash tun, so we have a 10 barrel mash tun. So that gives us the advantage. We can do full boils of you know, double IPAs or you know, imperial stouts or any, anything that you would normally you know, have to do two mashes or be chasing a re- reduction in kettle volume. We can do full full kettle volumes. We have a 15 barrel hot liquor tank. And on the cellar side, we have uh, two 15 barrel fermenters, which are double batch fermenters, and then a 15 barrel bright, three seven barrel fermenters, a seven barrel bright. And then we have a small pilot system here that is a, um, a one barrel system, but we also oversize that as well. So we got the 50 gallon kettles with it. So we can do the same thing. We can do imperial, full one barrel batches of imperial beer. And we've got one one barrel fermenter here now, and we've got a, a second one coming in. And it's glycol controlled fermentation. I mean, they're literally exact replicas of the big guys, complete with carb stones and everything else. So um, we'll be able to replicate, you know, large scale quali- quality on on a on a smaller batch system. It's just brewing at this scale is just crazy to me. So you you have so how often do you brew in a given week? So right now we're running usually twice. Um, I mean technically I guess you could say three times because some, sometimes one of those is a double a double brew day. Um, it just it just varies. Um, it's all all about demand. I've I've got a spreadsheet that we just kind of track out. Okay, this you know, this beer is selling at at, at this um, you know this rate and that's going to last to here and. You know, plan, plan accordingly. Yeah. So, so, I don't think we've ever actually asked any of our brewers that we've had on there this question. What is the day in the life of a brewer like? If you, you know, uh, what's your normal week? Because I, I assume a day a day could be anything from you know cleaning equipment to actually brewing beer. But like, yeah. what, what's your normal what's a normal week for William? So I'm unique in this regard. I'm an early bird brewer. Um, like. I know Steven, like I'll, I'll see him brewing at like eight o'clock there's, at night, 10 o'clock at night. There's like, no way. It's like, what, no what way. You... I, I, <laughs> I can't, I came out of the production world. So, oh. you know, my brew days start at five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I do my job right, I'm, I am long gone before this bar ever opens up. Um, so I, I, I'm, I come in from a production standpoint, get in here, get it done. Um, you know, even on double brew days, you know, it'll be a, about a, 12 hour day usually mm-hmm. um that's, that's assuming no cip afterwards that's just you know just the actual hands-on brew day um as far as like what's oh, in, what's cip uh cleaning place so it's a uh after the brew cleaning the equipment mm-hmm. you know 
we chemically clean everything so that that's a it's a contact time process mm-hmm. um but yeah as far as a normal week um usually like i said usually have one to two brew days depending on the depending on what um demand is um and then you have you know cellar work involved in conditioning beer you know carbonation dry hopping you know harvesting yeast um you know Right now, we're not doing viability, but eventually getting into a yeast management program where we're doing, you know, doing viability analysis, um, you know, keg washing, the you know, foaming all the tanks. I mean, it, it, it honestly, you clean more than you do anything else, but it, it is a, um, that's kind of the normal week, I guess. Um, you know, and we do some response, on the brewery side, you know, we're responsible for also, like, you know, we take care of all the draft lines as far as, you know, Clean draft lines, making sure they're functioning, and and you know have no issues there. Um, and eventually, we'll jump out and do a little bit of outside sales. Not yet, but eventually, mm-hmm. we'll we'll go into that route too. So that'll be another thing that gets tossed in there somewhere. Wow, so pretty busy. Yeah, yeah. It's, Would you say? Uh, I know for like you personally, like it was. It seems like it's been fulfilling. It's been worth because yeah. you you were with Gibbs, you were with yeah. uh, Burlington Beer Works, mm-hmm. and then now you're with Southend. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not uncommon for you know brewers to jump around from breweries to yeah, breweries. If yeah. you're not the owner, it makes sense to, to move around. Yeah. We hear that story all the time. Um, for you, is it not just for you, but like, is this like a line of work that you would recommend people jumping into, or is it something like you really have to have the passion for it? If there was an aspiring home brewer out there mm-hmm. that wanted to make that transition, like you did, to being a production brewer mm-hmm. or to owning their own brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice or what would you recommend or is there just too many variables there are a lot of variables um you know full disclosure when when you know the, the guys who are in this place originally started talking to me about opening a brewery i spent the first two months when i was consulting for them talking to them trying to talk them out of opening a brewery um it sounds funny to say that now i'm sitting here working for them um but <laughs> good thing you're not very persuasive yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> but um you know, it, it a, a lot of people think the brewing industry, they think from an ownership standpoint, from owning the brewery, they think there's a bucket of money at the end of the rainbow, and there's not. Um, the, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more capital-rich, like, in the first six months, you need so much money just to get your lights on, just to get the doors open. Um, the barriers to entry are massive. Um, now with Chinese equipment, those barriers are starting to get a little cheaper. But nevertheless, it, it is—it's an expensive business to get into. Um, and then once you get into it, then you have to sell your beer. And right. you know, there's 300 breweries across the state, so competition is stiff. Obviously, um, you know, there's from an ownership standpoint, there's not a bucket of money at the end of the ring, but you have to want to do it. Um, from a an employee standpoint, from a from a production brewer. Um, it kind of follows the same path, honestly. Is there a bucket of money at the rainbow? Absolutely not. There's not a, I mean, this, in, I said, in my, in my previous career, I made considerably more money than I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of advantage to, to also um, getting in this industry. It's a fun industry. Um, for the most part, you, I mean, I make my own hours. Um, you know, I have that luxury. Um, you know, you kind of get, for the most part, you kind of get to do your own, do your own thing. Um, and the biggest thing is at the end of the day, you walk away and, and you're like, oh, I, I have proof of my labor. Like, you know, here I, right. so, something, is, something is there. Um, you know, whereas in my previous careers, you know, I, I made money for, for a company. And, but at the end of the day, I, I basically just switched things around and moved things around on a computer and, you know, 
played with things. There's nothing. There's no tangible object in front of me. Right. Um, so you have to get into this because you love it. Because it is. It is. It's. You're not going to get rich doing it. Um, for the most part, there's you know benefits don't really exist in the brewing world. You know the the whole 401k insurance sets. Those are few and far between. Um, end of the day, it's work. Um, and most people nowadays aren't used to work. Um, you know, it, it's grain bags are 55 pounds, kegs are half barrel kegs 165 pounds, um, and you you know you move them and lift them up, and it, it's 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 work. So, um, with that, with all that all that negativity, <laughs> let me say I don't I don't regret it at all, and I love my job, I really do. Um, it's 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 a huge amount of fun. Um, I I would. And I, I've done this with, I mean, there's a gentleman in the BBG who's currently looking to, to go pro, and he's came out here and brewed with me a little bit, because mm-hmm. I don't want anybody, I want people to actually get into it knowing, because I got into it with a very, like, I knew exactly what I was getting into when I got into it. Um, those, I had no misconceptions about it. Um, um, I was very fortunate, and somebody kind of revealed that to me early on, and um, I want most people to know that. Um, but if, if after... All that being said, if you still want to do it, by all means do it. It's a great job. It's a great career. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is a lot of fun. Well, let's talk about your – let's drink some yeah. more of your labors. Yeah, sure. So this is the uh, the Black Lager. The Black Lager, yeah. <laughs> Schwartz beer. And you said it's not a true Schwartz beer because well, there's a little – Well, I think it's too much chocolate on it. Too much chocolate. So I put too much chocolate on it. Um, it's not hugely chocolatey at all, but that's why I call it a Black Lager because, you yeah, know, but um, – who, who's going to call you on it in this city? Nobody Dan? is. Nobody Derek? is. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I just um. But yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a you know it's a Swartz beer. Um, hundred percent once again. Um, hundred percent Weirman malt, German malt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, I think it's was that five point three. I th- I think. That sounds right. Yeah, we'll go with that. Sure. I. I um, Assume any alcohol we give is a grain of salt and just show up and it'll be on the board. There, there you go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but somewhere in that ballpark, but just say, uh, you know, uh, like I said, another lager beer. So. Why did you brew this style in particular? Because this is a, it's one of my favorite styles, but it's, from brewery perspective, it's few and far between. You don't see it a lot. Well, because, well, there's two, well, I mean, why I did it, because I, I, I like the style and, um, now the reason I think the reason you don't see them a lot is because you put a lot of resources into making a Swartz beer because um, it is a lager. It does take time. You know, it takes you know at least six weeks, and it's a dark beer. And right off the bat, by being a dark beer, you can go ahead and eliminate seventy five percent of the population from drinking that beer. Um, they just the color scares them. So if I was going to brew a beer from a profitability standpoint. Why would I brew a that blonde ale is going to exactly you're, you're going to sell three batches of that for Ab- every one of the absolutely beer. absolutely yeah. so from a profitability standpoint it just doesn't make sense to make them mm-hmm. um, but I like them and um, and and hey, if you don't brew what you like and, and, and my ownership has 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 let me kind of you know play with some things and right now we have the availability of tanks to do that mm-hmm. um, and honestly when you get a flight paddle paddle like. I mean, it's going to sound stupid, but you almost want, like, the Instagrammable, like, white power. You know what I mean? Like, you want to, you want the blonde and the red and the, you know, the brown and the, you know, the, the, the dark, the stout. Or, I yeah. wish you had told me before I drank all of it. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, but you, but you, you have to have that, yeah, like, you know. You have to have the colors, right, yeah. So, that's why, like, we, like I said, we have 13 taps, and we try to have a range of, mm-hmm. you know, we're always trying try to have a wheat beer on. We're always going to try and have, you know, some sort of a lager. Always have, 
you know, a light beer, a blonde or a pills or something like that. I always have a dark beer, even dead of summer. There will always be some form of a, you know, a brown porter stout sports beer. There'll be something dark up there, even the dead of summer, because I like them and, and I want to drink them. And you have to have that selection. You have to, right. you know. You can't just keep your imperial porters and imperial stouts for the winter. Exactly. And then come summertime, all you have are super pale somethings or others. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And this, to me, I'll, I've always said a Schwartz beer is not a, it's not inherently a winter beer. Not at all. I, not at all. That's a good beer for the summer for me personally. Mm-hmm. When I want, when I'm tired of you know, something light and I want something coffee, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. a little bit of chocolate. Yeah. That's just me personally. And, and, and it's a, it's. People think that just by the color of they look at it, oh, that's a heavy beer. It's not a heavy beer at all. It's incredibly light. Um, I, 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 I like the style, so. Thank you for listening to this week's Brew News. I want to give a big thank you to William for the time he spent with me during our interview. And I want to encourage anyone in the Greensboro area to go visit Southend if you haven't already. And if you have, you should definitely go back because they're constantly rotating the taps there. Food is excellent. Uh, and it's a great way to spend a nice Friday or Saturday night. I want to thank you all for listening to the, our show. Uh, we do apologize for the hiatus that we were on at the beginning of the year, but we are back now, and we are excited for what we have in store for you the rest of the season. Listen, like, and subscribe on whichever podcast platform you enjoy. Follow us on Twitter at Brew underscore News or on Instagram at Brew News Pod, where we're most active. Thank you so much, and we'll be back next week with more with William.